Welcome to Know Your Gear QA podcast live number episode, number episode 284, episode number 284. I hope everybody is doing good. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm glad to see you. There seems to be a lot of people out here already. It's pretty cool. Um, some of you guys may have saw I posted that I don't know if there was going to be a show today or there wasn't going to be a show today. Um, that is because um, I didn't want to... Uh, I didn't want to cancel, but I also didn't want to, you know, cancel at the last minute and then not do it. So I'd rather tell you guys I don't think it was going to happen and then it ended up happening. What what ended up happening is two things. I got um, food poisoning, uh, so it was late yesterday, and it wasn't very good. (laughs) So I was getting through that through the day, and I was making some uh, headway, and then I I knocked over a light stand. Uh, Whether you guys can see it, there's light stands all over this room. And this particular one, there was a cable hanging. I stepped on the cable. I don't know what I did. Anyways, the stand, uh, which is not super heavy, was affixed to to something. So it was clamped on. So it took a lot of force to remove it. And it kind of hit me on the side of the head. And uh, I couldn't hear out of my ear for a little while. And my ear got a little really red and big it's this ear it's kind of seems normal now but it's really tender i feel like i feel like somebody just clocked me in the ear um so i was like you know what maybe i'm not gonna do a show but i am look at that and everything's fine and um i'm drinking lots of water and then i uh, today i have my uh my wife's know your gear cup you can see hers is slightly different than mine i don't know what makes it different but it is so uh, all right, let's get into stuff. We got so much stuff to do. So much, uh, so <laughs> Mox department says alcohol is not food poisoning. And I gotta lie, that's probably where it went bad too, was I was pretty sure I was fine. And then I decided to have a beer and then, uh, it just started going bad after that. So, all right. Um, <laughs> it was an interesting day. Today was good. Today was good. Today was just a lot of phone calls and editing. Editing. So uh, for videos, the uh, the uh, let's t- let's do some early questions. Let's talk about some guitar stuff. Let's get a, have a good amazing afternoon. Start our weekends of guitar playing off right. This one came from Jeremy. He says, "Hey Phil, which would you prefer, the Boss OC3 or the TC Electronics Sub and Up?" Um, I, uh, I own and, uh, like both those pedals, but I prefer the sub and up. I don't know what it is. It's not a, uh, quality thing. It's not, you know, one's true bypass and the other one's buffered. I, which I think that's what they are. <laughs> I think the sub and up is true bypass and the boss is buffered. Nothing like that. I just, I like the sub and up. I like them both. Uh, I, I use them both, but for some reason the sub and up sounds a little cleaner. Maybe it tracks a little faster. I don't know if that's true. I never like pulled up the specs, but when using one and, and, and it could be because when I'm using an octave pedal, most of the time, I don't do any solos with an octave pedal. If I use an octave pedal, my entire purpose for it is to make my guitar sound like on a, like a bass. And so I'm usually tracking a quick bass line or a lot of times I'm looping and I'm like, okay, I'll just <laughs> laziness step on this pedal and then I'll make my guitar a bass for a, a second instead of grab the bass. Um, and I just kind of feel like it was always cleaner and nicer, um, to me. And I think when you play chords, it seems the polyphonic on the sub and up seems better. I think it's polyphonic. doesn't matter. It seems always cleaner to me. So, uh, that's my choice. Those two. Plus I think you can get the sub and up, uh, for less 
and you know, especially used. And they have the seven up mini as well, which is, uh, what I have is the mini. Um, Adrian says, Hey, Phil, how do you divide practice time amongst different instruments? Uh, do you spend the same amount of time on each? He says, love the show. So as you guys know, I'm a bass player. So the question is, do I practice bass more than guitar or guitar more than bass or equalized amounts? And uh, the answer is uh, I practice guitar way more just because of the function of the job of making YouTube content. Obviously, I do very little bass content compared to guitar content. And so I would say uh, uh, I play guitar more because of content, but I would I play on a personal time thing. I would play more bass than guitar on a work time. I play more guitar than bass and I get adequate amounts of both. I don't, I don't, unfortunately, no, not unfortunately, very fortunate for me. One of the, one of the best things about my, my life is I get to practice all I want. I very rarely, uh, I, I get to practice cause it, cause it's something I get to do. And this happened, you know, before I had YouTube, just being in a shop, repairing guitars all day, you were playing them all day, uh, you know, in a music store all day. Um, I've, I actually suffer from, uh, from too much practice. That's the thing I suffer from the most. So in other words, um, I've had, uh, uh, I mean, I'm serious. Like I play, I've practiced so much that I almost have like a depression from it because sometimes when you're practicing and you're practicing and you're practicing, and then you're just, you became, you become very too much in tune of your shortcomings and what you're not good at. It's almost like you're playing so much that you're, I, I found for me that the thing that I have to do for uh, for spiritual purposes, for sanity purposes, for enjoyment, all of those things, um, and work purposes too, is I have to play for a, a reason. And that's sometimes something I never had to do when I was just like playing as a, you know, for fun, you know, years and years ago before getting into this, the music world. Um, you know, I would just play, you know, for no reason. And it'd be fine. I just play the same lick I always played or the riff I always liked, or maybe I'd learn a song or practice a scale. And what I found now is every time I play, I have to have a reason. Like I have to be recording something, uh, creating something. I have to create. I have to uh, learn something so I can play it for maybe a YouTube video or for something I'm doing with somebody else. Um, and if I don't have a purpose for me playing, I kind of, you know, dork around on the guitar or the bass. And like I said, it's, it seems like it doesn't take very long for me to become very aware that nothing's Nothing's either progressing, which is very upsetting, or you get you get not like burnout. out. You're like, man, it's just I I don't know what else to do. And so there's two two things I've learned to do. One, uh, get away from your instrument anytime you feel any of that feeling, immediately, right? Um, just immediately. <laughs> if you're ever playing your instrument and for some reason you're not getting every ounce of joy out of it that you are, you you literally need to to stop, do something else. Um, anything else, but not guitar and stay away from it, uh, until it, until it calls you back. It'll call you back very shortly. Trust me. And then the, uh, other thing is, um, learn something out of your normal, uh, playing style or habit. Uh, and even if that's random and not for difficulty, don't think about difficulty. Okay. Don't think like, okay, now I'm going to play jazz, <laughs> right? It's not, not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is like, you know, uh, if you're a metal person, grab a country song, play it, play a, some cowboy chords, you know, learn it, play it. It sounds silly. Even if it's easy, do it. If you're, if you're a jazz rock blues person, you know, right. Um, 
you know, grab some some pop music, uh, learn a pop song. Uh, just grab something that's not in your normal uh, realm of music that you love and normally play because of the fact that it, it just takes you places. It, it just pl- takes you places where you all of a sudden you don't feel like I don't think the only way to look at learning more is better technique. Sometimes learning more is seeing the way somebody approached the instrument different than you. And that kind of opens it up and kind of makes my shoulders soften a little bit. It makes me calmer. Um, so, so that, <laughs> um, Hey, uh, Brian wants to know is wanted dead or alive by Bon Jovi, a country song. Uh, isn't it now? Isn't that how it works? Don't a lot of the older rock guys, uh, put their songs now just on country and call it a day. It could be. Um, I love country music. So to me, it's easy to, to want to do that stuff and country can get really hard, but, uh, you know, obviously, especially in the, the lead playing stuff, but like I said, those are what I do. And it's not so much I'm giving you guys advice. I'm just telling you how I handle it because it does happen to me sometimes. The worst thing that can happen to me personally when that happens is I'm sitting down pretty much with the background you see right here to do a video for you on YouTube. And I just emotionally got nothing coming out. <laughs> nothing. There's just no nothing. And, uh, and you're just painted in that corner of, okay, I got to get out of here and do something. So that helps me for YouTube, by the way. Um, I hit a lot of times as silly as even doing a review, you get writer's block. Uh, you know, what am I going to talk about? What am I going to showcase? And same thing, I got to get away from stuff. And um, sometimes it works. And unfortunately, it just happened to me recently. And uh, the only choice I had, which was the worst choice you could ever have, is I I forced myself through it, um, which is where you do that thing where you just you stress and pound and pound and pound until you, till you come up with an idea. Like I hadn't, I couldn't come up with an idea. So I just literally thought about it for probably six, seven hours straight, no exaggeration to the point where I'm like, okay, finally, there's an idea. I got it. Okay. And execute on it. And it was, that's the worst way to do it. I should have known to stop and go somewhere else and do something else. But that's a, that's a long answer to your question. Randall Van Vandergriff says, is that an R in there? Yeah. Uh, I got the new Gamma amp. That's the one I reviewed. I understand. Any tips for using it? Yeah, the way I used it is the best way I think you use it. Just stuff some pedals in front of it. I was not a big fan, and I think as I said that in the video, not a huge fan of the guitar sounds in the amp. They're fine. They were, To me, they were as average as average guitar sounds get. Good enough, or if I had to practice, I'm practicing. But the clean on the amp was really respectable. The Bluetooth on it was great. It was really fundamentally a decent amp and a great price point. Um, I like the 25 over the 50, but only because of functional purposes of like, hey, a smaller amp. For me, for me practice amps, I need them to be smaller. I won't use them because if I have a, you know, if I have a, a 50 watt Katana, what I've learned is I like the Katana so much, but I mean, but a 50 watt Katana or, or any of those bigger 50 watt type 112 combos, uh, I go to plug into them and I go, I, you know, I mean, I have some tube amps right here. Or I have some amps that I really love and I, I, I mean, I adore them. I'm just plugging into those. But a lot of times a smaller uh, 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 electric guitar amp, a little practice amp is really fun to play in. It keeps the volume low. It's just something. And it stops me from thinking about tones and and that stuff and just focus on music and playing, which is very important. Sometimes good good tones, good sounds in your amps makes you, inspires you to play. And sometimes it just become the biggest pain in the ass ever. Like I said, if you're, um, I'll, I'll practice sometimes playing something and then I'm next thing I know I'm swapping pedals. This one or this one, that one or this one. I'm like, no, this is, this is horrible. I got to get back to playing, playing. Uh, 
So that's the most important thing is the, 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 the playing and the making of music. That's the, everything else is not even a close second. Uh, Declan, what's up, Declan? <laughs> Declan, uh, Declan joined the Zoom call thing this week, and it was kind of like the prototype test uh, Zoom call. And uh, Declan is uh, <laughs> he's overseas, and the time zone difference was different, so he stayed up really late to hang. And uh, and so I just think about the fact that he went on two, three hours of sleep before he went to work. Uh, so I appreciate that. He says, Phil, given Fender compromised in the vintage two line with the modern wiring five-way blade etc why did they leave the truss rod adjustment in the butt of the neck uh people care more about that question mark i i agree you know this is this is something i don't understand you know there's so many things that i can pontificate about or give you a theory or feel like i have an opinion about the fin there's a thing that fender does that eludes me on every level. And I always say this, like as someone who sold tons of it, it escaped me. Someone who's been trained by them to sell it. Um, I even still have, you know, Fender doesn't do this anymore, but I used to have, I still have them. Fender used to make training manuals to teach you how to sell their product. They were really in-depth, really detailed manuals. And I have them. So I've been trained to sell Fender. Obviously it was a certified repair tech for them. So trained to fix it. Um, and uh, been to the factories, friends with many of them that work there, uh, you know, obviously their their headquarters here. I say all that because I'm still never can understand how they end where they end, which is exactly what Declan's talking about, which is you're going to make a vintage guitar. I totally understand that. Vintage recreation. You're going to modernize some of it. Same with the Tone Master stuff. That was my thing on Tone Master. I love the Tone Master, but there's a couple of choices that I just didn't understand. It has nothing to do with about what I wanted or not wanted. I just didn't understand the choice. You're like, okay, you're going to put IRs in it. You're going to put an attenuator in it. You're going to put some features in it that are not in the original. And then you're going to not put some other features, which would make a lot of sense too also, right? It's not like your what Fender decided was bad and what I'm saying was good. It was kind of like, what a weird place to stop. So to Declan's uh, comment, yeah, why, why put modernized electronics in the vintage style guitar, but then not modernize the truss rod, which is something that, it sucks. It's a huge difference for some people. It's the difference between having to pay a tech to make an adjustment and do it themselves. And for some people, it's just a convenience thing of time. Um, um, so I, I don't know why they choose to do the things they do. They're they're The only thing I would say is I really feel that they, they actually have a reason for it. Um, like they probably sat in a room and, and they might believe vintage truss rods sound different. Um, one thing that I've I've kind of experienced uh, through the years interacting with companies in a behind the scenes kind of level kind of thing, which is something real common. A lot of them believe all the things that they're selling you. Like that's a, a I mean I'm again it's just true. Like they when they put tone wood in the ad, you know this this wood has a darker sound because of the tone wood and, and you know. It's polarizing, of course. Half of you watching going, oh, Tonewood doesn't exist. The other one's like, how can anyone believe Tonewood doesn't exist? doesn't matter where you stand in this. I, the point is that a lot of times when they put the ad marketing out, a lot of times when they do what they do, they believe it. Um, and so that's where it comes from. It kind of originates from the belief that the the team that's put the, either the owner or the team or whoever's doing this. And so Fender might believe there's something to the um, 
vintage truss rod. There also might be something to, like I said before, there's definitely a, a, I have a working theory that I've said for many years that Fender charges you more, the more accurate the guitar is to the original. Um, and same with Gibson. Uh, there seems to be a thing there. Um, definitely can't be just coincidental that it's done like that. And what I mean by that, of course, is if you take a Fender, and I don't care if it's Squire or Fender, and I don't care what level of instrument it is, if you look at pricing and the way it goes, they tend to get more expensive, if you look at them, by how close they get to the, how they were done in the first place. So by definition, if you look at a guitar with a uh, Fender Strat with a modern truss rod versus the vintage one, the vintage one more times than not will be more expensive of the two. If it has the vintage original style pickups, they'll be more expensive than the more modernized pickups. Like I said, it's, it seems to be a trend. It's not a, a, a guarantee that it's like that, but it seems to work that way, and a lot of companies do that. And I think maybe that's because they value that. They value their their history, their lineage. They know that there's people that do, that want that. I'm still confused by it. I'll always say this. We all know, we all know now what we want. We want the truss rod at the base of the at the neck uh, with the spindle truss rod. It's fantastic. I cannot find a downsize to that truss rod at all for anyone. Um. Okay. Hold on a second. I'm just trying to grab you guys' comments. So, you know, Mike Jones says, hey, the construction of the guitar made the final difference in sound. Some electronics sound different, uh, or some electronics different sound to the guitar makers. Yeah, I get where you're going with this, and I I think you're agreeing with me, or at least we're on the same page, which is, yeah, everything kind of matters. I understand what basically what I'm saying to Declan is the same thing. It's like, I think they think there's a reason they just didn't do it for that reason. They had a reason for it. I just don't understand why we can't modernize a few things. I think of when I think of vintage reissue instruments, okay, I always think about uh, when I've gone to car shows and I've seen people uh, take old cars and modernize them but hide it. <laughs> right you seen that like they'll have a like an old radio it looks like an old a track radio but if you flip it it folds down and behind it's the real stereo system and there's real speakers in there and then you know there's sometimes modernized that way you can hide the things that so, so it doesn't look like the car's been modernized um i actually think that's the coolest way to go i think that's where i think all vintage guitar sh- reissues should be they should made, be made to look like they're reissued but be modernized in all the features and the way that they work um because, I mean, there's no reason, in my mind, there's no reason not to do it that way. It just makes total sense. But who knows? Who knows? Um, uh, DMAC says, hey, Phil, would the Tone Master, which he's talking about the Fender Tone Master series, be a worthy upgrade to my Katana as a pedal platform? I need the power scaling as I uh, live in an apartment. Also, do you... Also, do you know which Tone Master takes pedals the best? Um, well, I haven't tried all the Tone Masters. I've tried the Twin. I've tried the um, uh, Deluxe. I have not tried the Super Reverb and now the like the Princeton. Uh, so, to, so no, I don't know which one takes pedals the best, unfortunately. What I can tell you is, the, to core your question, is it an upgrade from the Katana? As someone who's had both those amps and actually played them side by side many times and was like kind of going through it, I really feel the Tone Master was a big improvement over the Katana. However... The thing I have to tell you, just because it's just from my experience, was um, it was not it was not the improvement that the price 
in my opinion, justified. In other words, yeah, it was better for sure. I, I really liked the Tone Master. It didn't have the features the Katana had, but it had the sound I really wanted, which is that beautiful Fender Clean, and it had a cool Fender Crunch, and it looked really cool. I think it looks really cool because it looks exactly like the, the tube version. But, I mean, when you compare the pricing of like, you know, 300 bucks to $1,000, it was it, there was nothing in my brain that says, oh, it's three times better. It's, it's not three times better. But if you got the money, do it. <laughs> so uh i uh i'd say yeah i would say do it uh for sure because it's a like i said i can recommend the amp that's that's the good news um uh sur sura gots dan jeez sur gots gates maybe it's sura gates dan <laughs> Just butcher, I butcher names. That's what I do here. It says new PRS HDRX20, which is the 20 watt version of Paul Reed Smith's 100 watt, 50 watt Jimi Hendrix amp. It says keep kept looking to see if you had your hands on one yet. I did not get my hands on one. I unfortunately am not going to be reviewing one. Uh, but I watched the same videos you guys did. It sounded and looked pretty cool. It's $7.99. Made in Indonesia, like the Archons, which is made by Cortec. So I like that decision that PRS did to go to Cortec to make amps. I, I like that kind of, you know, um, I think they can uh, make a, a good product. By the way, my understanding, and again, this is not 100%, I, I can't say it's 100% true, like accurate, but it's what I believe uh, I understand from from. The, the rumor mill, so to speak, that's pretty pretty strong. That Cortex is who is who acquired Digitech, and uh, Digitech's supposed to be coming back, and I guess Cortex's going to be making that product, and that's kind of. And the reason why I say it's not 100 true is because sometimes that was true. That was actually public, and that is true. Digitech did acquire, or sorry, Cortex, which is Cork Guitars, did acquire Digitech. But what happens sometimes is when you're talking about the stuff, the stuff becomes dated. The information, so something could have transpired in the last you know, a few months, but as far as I know, that's still accurate. Um, but back to Cortec, obviously they have a division now that makes amplifiers and pedals and things. And so they're very good at it. The Archon is a very good amp for a thousand bucks. Um, the, I, I really think the thousand dollar Archon is, is as good in any way as the more expensive assembled in USA one. So, so there's a win there. Uh, so I would imagine that this amp, this 20 watt amp, uh, which is, ah, big difference in price. I mean, 799 versus what the other ones, the other ones were very expensive, the 50 watt and hundred water, but those were assembled in USA, I believe, or they might even be actually made in USA. I've never tried one of those either. I've never tried any of those. Apps. <laughs> so, um, the, uh, so I don't, I don't know, uh, anything about it. I just think, uh, I will tell you though, um, uh, a thought, a thought, and this is based on, I have no experience of the HR, uh, yeah, I have no experience of that amp, so I can't tell you. Uh, but a perception of what you've seen, you know, like you, I watched it, watched the video, saw it. It's like $50 more than the MT-15, the Tremonti amp. And I know they're different animals because that the, obviously, Jimi Hendrix is like a more of a, you know, a, a Marshall toned amp. Um, but I, for value's sake, I think the MT-15 is probably the better value it's two full channels the clean on the thing is fantastic um it's 50 bucks less so um the other one's one channel basically i mean it's two channel jumped but it just it's just saying my first perception is kind of like uh if i was given a choice between the two without hearing them i think i would pick the mt15 and uh and then run a good pedal through it and call that a day so if that was a if price was a thing 
Okay. Um. Oh, Nathan, that's a great idea. Nathan Boone says, hopefully they'll make a whammy mini. Yeah, a mini whammy pedal would be really cool. I tried all the mini wah pedals, and I never ended up staying with them. But but a mini whammy, whammy pedal, I think, would definitely be something I would... I, if they introduced a mini miniature, small, mid-size, like kind of little mini whammy pedal, I would have one. Because I always like the whammy pedal, but it's such a huge footprint to... Uh, to to do something that I don't do very often. And that's what happened with wah pedals is I was like, Oh, I had the mini one. I was like, okay, this is saving some space. And then I decided, I'm like, you know what? I either want it on there. I don't. And so I went back to the full size, but uh, I like both, but, um, uh, but yeah, mini, mini whammy pedal would be fantastic. Fantastic. Travis says, Hey, Phil, uh, you had it. Have you had a chance to try out the Fender Meteora Meteora? Uh, really curious about your opinion. I have not. In fact, I can tell you right now, I have not tried a Fender product since the Tone Master Amp video. I don't remember when that was. It kind of feels like that was at least a year ago, and it might have been two years ago. So other than that, the only, and I mean literally the only Fender products I have tried is uh, the Custom Shop Fender that I bought. Uh, I bought a Custom Shop Fender last year. That's it. I mean, maybe... I mean, but as a, like a production product, I haven't come across any, uh, where I've gone, you know, what stores I've visited, nothing's really, I've never seen anything like there's never anything in the stores. So, I mean, they have stuff, but not what I'm interested in. Uh, so a lot of that stuff. So same thing to that. I didn't see one of those in the store. So I didn't try it out. So that's what it is. Um, and a lot of times you guys put in a lot of requests to check out stuff. So I'll get it on the channel, but, uh, I don't get a whole lot of requests from you guys from fenders. In fact, if anything, um, I get requests from you guys, uh, about Squires all the time and Squires probably 20 to one to fender. So fender is probably the last, probably the least requested thing. Anybody ever tells me to check out his fender product, which is weird. Cause they gotta be the biggest, right? But I don't know. Uh, I always liken that to either a, you have a lot of fenders out there or B, there's a lot of content about fenders out there and you're not really looking for that. I find most of the time, the only reason somebody's reaching out to me to say, Hey, Phil, uh, you know, do a, Would you do a video about this? Or, uh, it's always either a, because there's not a lot of content out there about it, or there is, and you just want to see what my opinion against other opinions will be to see if I, you know, kind of go along or if I kind of push back and say no. Oh, thank you. PW uh, said the Tone Master video was April 2021. So, yeah, over a year ago. So, um, let's see. A lot of you guys, what's great is a lot of you guys are commenting. You guys have the Meteora and you like it. It looks cool. It's a cool looking guitar. Okay. All right. Okay, let's do some, some questions. Where's my, oh, there it is. We'll be right back. But you still loading them and heating them up with all your single shit you've been dropping. You feel me? Loading them up on. It, it only takes structure. And, and, you know, just paying attention to the climate of the game. Yeah. Know what I mean? So do do your homies uh got a role in your, in your little, you mean? Yeah, yeah. We all, we all artists over here, man. I'm trying, oh, yeah, I'm trying, yeah. I'm trying, I'm trying, oh, yeah. I'm trying to get them on there. Yeah. yeah. Me, me, me. Yo, love, 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 love. We all artists, man. We go, you feel me? We gonna have this like, 
Me and my man, like me and my man Kyle, we be like, I don't know, we play, we play with this <laughs> shit. Right now. This I ain't gonna lie, we play with this shit right now for for. Oh, I ain't gonna lie. Don't play with it. Don't play with it. No. Take that shit seriously. Okay, Vim69 says, I can't stay for the show today. I will catch it later. Uh, hope your uh, family are doing well. My, my daughter my daughter sprained her ankle this week, so she's on some crutches, but she's doing fine. Um, she'll bounce back. It's uh, Sorry, I should say, we took her to a urgent care, or my wife took her to urgent care, and it wasn't broken. It's not sprained. It's like bruised. So, uh, so other than that, fine. Um, Al says, just an old guy. So it's Al... Al, just the old guy, says, I'm not crazy about VOS finish on my 59 Epiphone Les Paul. What are your thoughts about applying gloss over it, uh, over the finish? Uh, uh, Stumac gloss, okay. Other brands. Um, again, I'm not a finish guy, so I don't. I really don't have a whole lot of uh, advice. I have used the Stumac uh, glosses and uh, nitro spray paints. I have used them. I bought them and tried them and used them. Um, I use... I have used and used the Stu Mac uh, Nitro Cellulose uh, can, whatever they have, of gloss spray can uh, whenever I do quick touch-up repair work. Um, a lot of times, if I'm doing something repair-wise on a, a guitar like Nitro Cellulose uh, finish, it's black and it's not a big area, sometimes I can save the customer a lot of money by going, okay, I'll fix it and then I'll spray this and it'll be easy and it'll be done. Um, so I'll do that and I can blend it. I'm, I know all the basics to get, you know what I mean? I can make something look fine. Uh, and, 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 and so if it's not a whole lot of work, I'll do that. But other than that, I don't do a whole lot of finished work. So I don't know. And that's so I can only recommend what I, you know, what I just told you, which is what I've used. Uh, Gil says, I owe this super chat from last week. For some reason, I didn't have an option to do so. I think it was iOS thing. <laughs> Could be, <laughs> He's the kind of thing. Uh, so just laughing because I'm like, yeah, I I um I I love it when I talk about computers on the channel. Uh, every time I talk about computers, you guys are always have everybody has strong opinions about Macs and and PC. And uh, I I I have learned doing the YouTube gig gig. Uh, you have to have a Mac. You have to. It's just like it's like. In fact, it's to the point where you have to have a tablet. You have to have an iPhone. You have to have these things. If you're going to work with 90% of the, well, you know what I mean? 90s exaggerating. You have to work with a lot of companies and there's a lot of the stuff, their stuff only works with Mac or works with an iPhone. Um, and, uh, and so, uh, like their apps and their stuff, it's just weird. It's just, it's, well, it's not weird. I know why they do it that way, but so, uh, I just was laughing. That's why I was laughing. I just wanted you to know why I was laughing. Cause I find I'm, I always am plagued with either direction. Either it doesn't work. It's either your Mac's messing things up or it's your PC's messing things up. The Drunken Scoundrels, Scoundrel says, Hey, Phil, I tried Teespring for a project I am doing. Uh, not your fault. Okay. But absolutely the worst uh, experience ever. So bad I am emailing you a brief details. You should hear this. It's unbelievable. Um... I don't know much about Teespring. I had, I've done, I've done uh, a lot of fulfillment places. We did T, T, they're all called T something, T spring. And there was T something P and there was T something. Um, I can tell you that I don't interact with them at all. There's no, there is no interaction when you have one of these third party providers. Um, and, and drunken scoundrel, you probably will not like, 
uh, if I tell you the answer, how I handle almost everything. It usually goes like this. Uh, somebody will send me an email every once in a while and I'll say, hey, I have a shirt and this is the problem. And then I always ask if they chalk to Teespring. Sometimes they say no, so that's good. So then they, they do that. If they ever say like, yeah, I talked to Teespring and they were horrible, then we just send them a shirt. We just pay for it ourselves. Like I just order it like I'm ordering a gift for a friend and I send them shirts. And the way we do it is kind of like, we sell some merch and we have the money in like in a kitty, right? It's like we don't use it. And then uh, sometimes like you have to send out stuff. In fact, so you know, the way the whole merch thing works for me is pretty much it's not an income stream. It's more of a supplemental stream for uh, what I'm giving away. So, for instance, like a lot of times we send out merch to like patrons or to somebody else or to companies or, or like the tea, the uh, what do you call it, the shirt exchange, right? Somebody sends me a shirt. When I say, oh, send me a shirt and I'll send you a shirt, I mean, obviously that, that costs me money to send shirts. So I that's how I kind of do it. I take the money that's in that kitty. And so I very rarely, like, I don't think I actually got any money deposited from Teespring in probably a couple of years. And if I have, it hasn't been over like $100, $200 tops um, because I kind of burn it up. Just, you you know, like I said, it's a, to me, it's a smart idea. It's like, to me, it's I don't have to I don't have to pay to ship ship somebody's stuff. So a lot of times, somebody buys a shirt, they have a good experience, and we have some money in the kitty. And somebody has a buys a shirt and have a bad experience, we take that money and just <laughs> send them a shirt or a mug or whatever it is um, they do. Um, all right, SJ, what solution do you recommend for great tone at low volume? I can't wake the baby. Okay, I understand this. Uh, thinking about the Yamaha THR, I have that. It's a good amp. Blues Junior, Blues, uh, the Bass Breaker, Mesa Fillmore 25, or the Ox, or an Ox with a matchless HC15. What I will tell you right there, I don't. Uh, whatever you're going to pick, uh, give, give me 500 options. I'm going to tell you right now, if I was forced to live in an apartment, um, and um, so, so, you, so you know, I actually can tell you this uh, with great honesty because I was trying to get an apartment. Uh, we were, my wife and I were trying to get an apartment, uh, during COVID. <laughs> okay. Cause I work from home. My wife works from home. Uh, my son works from home. And then my daughter had a homeschool during COVID. And it was like, this whole house was just horrible to have like all these people in the house all the time, you know, just everybody trapped. And, um, so what I did was I, I came to my wife one day with this crazy idea that she absolutely loved. I said, I said, you and I should go get an apartment. Like down the street, there's apartment complexes everywhere, nice ones. So let's go get an apartment. We'll live in the apartment. <laughs> the dogs, the cat, the kids. Because my, my kids are adults, right? They, they drive, they have their own credit cards. Um, so uh, I said, we'll... We'll go, we'll work here like we do. Like this is my office and my wife's office is downstairs and, and we'll leave in the afternoon and we'll go to our apartment and, uh, and then we'll come back in the morning. And then of course, you know, like the kids will love it because they'll think it's like the coolest thing ever. Um, what happened of course is the boom happened, uh, in real estate and apartments here became insane. I mean, the cheapest apartment I can find is twice what my mortgage it was. So I was like, uh, that's not going to work. So, um, so the reason I tell you that story is because I tell you that I was like, okay, well, what am I going to take when I go to this apartment? Cause I thought it was going to happen. We even looked at some, and, uh, I can tell you without a doubt, it would have been the THR or the, um, ox. That is it. And if you have an ox, you don't need anything. You can, I mean, you can have the THR, but if you get the ox, 
you don't need anything. The aux is like, you just plug every amp into that and it's uh, amazing. Um, I've said this before. I have, I bought the, uh, aux. I got the, uh, the two notes thing. I said it in my video when I was talking about my knee preamp that the two notes thing can do most of what the aux can do. Of course, some of you guys talk about the Waza crap, but I don't care about all the stuff that costs what the aux does. Okay. That's, I'm sure it's all great. But to me, if you don't have aux money, cause it's huge money, $1,500 for a thing. That's not, it's not an amp. It's not a guitar. It's kind of a, just a thing that goes that stuff. It will, it, it, that aux saved all, all the amps. Like I used to, like, I was always in a quest for this amp that sounded really good, quiet, but also could be a little louder. And once I got the aux, I don't even think about that anymore. I don't even think about it when I'm dealing with companies. Some companies will reach out and go, Hey, we want to send this amps hundred Watts. And I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Cause I can just put it through the aux. Um, and plug, you know, headphones if you want. I don't use headphones. Um, I just either run it attenuated through the uh, speaker or I run it through the interface in the computer. And so, you know, that's what I'm really after because I don't like attenuated sounds. So it's not that I'm attenuated. I don't like it attenuated, um, but I can put a load against this, the amp and just play with a little speaker if you want. So you can use earphones. So, um, so, so uh, there you go. So same thing. Or the THR. But those are the two I'd get. So either get the THR or go crazy and get the aux. But you were talking about a matchless amp and stuff. And if you get the, if you're looking at real deal money amps, get the aux. In fact, I would suggest that to everybody. If you have real deal money amps, like if you have own amps that are like two, three grand. Uh, I, in fact, here's here's the best testimony I can give for that thing. I would never ever own two expensive amps anymore, and not have an aux. I would rather have one expensive amp and an aux than two expensive amps for sure. Now, if you don't partake in the crazy expensive amp world, then there's alternatives. Like I said, two note stuff is very affordable for what it does. Um, and there's w workarounds for it. You can, you can build a fake aux <laughs> with basically like the two notes cab M, which is like two, $300. And then like the Behringer attenuator, you can make a makeshift aux out of that. Uh, it's what I was doing before I had the aux. So, uh, Joel Roberts says, Phil, who shot JR? Joel, JR did not get shot. It was all a dream, buddy. I'm sorry to, sorry to ruin that for you. Uh, I know I should have said spoiler alert. I apologize to all 950 of you right now. Uh, spoiler alert. And for everyone under 40 something years old, uh, J you're going to have to Google it. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a 19 year old watching the show right now going I don't know what, what jr what what's is this JR, so, is that like an impulse response it's like a what is that <laughs> what is that what are they talking why are they in code all of a sudden why are they talking in code anyways uh we're talking in code okay uh next we have uh um we have Brandon. Brandon Trey says, hey, Phil, love the show. What do you think about Gibson Les Paul traditional Pro Vs? Uh, the Trad Pro V, yeah. Lots of pickup options in a back cavity. Can it sound like a telly? Sure, it could get telly-like because it could do that stuff. It could get strat-like. It's a, it's, it, look, it's not going to be the same. There's a magic to the telly, just like there's a magic to the strat and there's a magic... Uh, to the Les Paul, that they're hard. Uh, you know, if it's like when people go, I can put two humbuckers in a strat and make it sound like Les Paul. Esque, <laughs> right? And I can, and you can coil split a Les Paul and make it sound, uh, sound strat esque. And of course, the Trad Pro V, uh, uh, you know, uh, you can um, 
you know, you can pull out like the out of phase dual single coil tones stuff, all that switching and stuff. Um, I like the trad pros on paper. Remember I have a whole uh, thing about not liking guitars that are heavy and tra traditional pros are not usually, well, I don't think they're weight relieved at all. So every once in a while you find a lighter one, but I haven't found one. So let me put it this way. If I saw a Les Paul trad pro eight pounds today, I would probably buy it. I'd probably, it'd be on my radar, but at nine pounds, it's not on my radar. So other than that, fantastic guitars. Uh, Murphy's Flab. <laughs> Thanks, man, for the uh, the heart emoji. Um, uh, T-sized says, Phil, I hope all is well. Epiphone Les Paul owner here. Two pots failed. Oh, well. And the bridge pickup sounds like butt. <laughs> yeah, we'll do it. Uh, is it worth upgrading to a pre-wired Emerson kit and new pickups or sell it and buy a cheaper Gibson? Um, yeah, that's a very, very easy question to answer, uh, is because of what I always said, um, you never mod a guitar you don't like already. So that comes down to not that it's broken. You have to decide if you want to, uh, mod it, if you like it. My concern with your statement is I treat all of you like you're my, 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 my friends. And so when I, I assume like when, if you were, you know, like a friend talking to me, I kind of read into what they're saying because friends tend to, they, friends are always asking for permission. That's really what your friend's doing. That's what I do to my friends and they do back to me. It's always like, kind of like, I think I want to go and get this, right? And they're really what they want you to do is either tell them why it is or isn't a, a good idea to kind of either nudge them, you know, to go. But in your case, what I always read into my friends' questions is, should I get rid of it and get a, or get it and sell it and get a cheaper Gibson? And, um, that always I take as an impl uh, that you're implying that you want a Gibson. And maybe that's what you're after. So I will always tell you the same thing. I, like I said, I tell my friends, uh, if you have, if you think you want a Gibson and you're having this experience with Epiphone, I would say, put the money into the Gibson and call it a day. And here's why, this is why it's not anything wrong with the Epiphone. It's that if you love the Epiphone, if you're telling me like, hey, Phil, I really, so I'm gonna change the question to see how it would change my answer. Hey, Phil, I really like this Epiphone I have, but the pots have gone, they failed, and the pickups sound like butt. I'd say, okay, well, you need to mod it. You need to put some money into it, make it better, and you'll love it. However, your question is like, should I do this or should I get a, like a, a less cheaper Gibson? Get the cheaper Gibson, because I, I think that's money better well spent for you. Um, because this experience might also taint the way you feel about that guitar. So there you go. But if it's just as function of what can you do, you can absolutely upgrade it very easily and fix it. And the Emerson kit's a great way to go. I'd even suggest maybe just get the cheaper Gibson and then later upgrade that thing. Oops. I clicked, clinked my, my cups. Uh, Litvay, thank you for the super sticker, man. I appreciate that. John says, happy Friday, Phil and all. Uh, it's new OSGD. Okay. It's new guitar day, right? New it's okay. I've owned a Fujigen Variax 700 for years. You mentioned the VG Strat a couple months ago. This is so much better with single, 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 simple real controls. Thanks. Yeah. The VG Strat was a cool guitar. That was like a really, like I said, I, I think I honestly believe part of the VG guitar's failure uh, and I say failure because again, it didn't, it didn't do whatever Fender wanted it to do in numbers because they came out, the USA version came out, uh, and, uh, I sold a lot of them. <laughs> I really liked them. I only say that because I remember the Fender guys would just constantly sell, tell us like, 
you're the only one selling these. I'm like, really? And they're like, yeah, like all our dealers are not selling these. They're not, they're not, they're not doing well. And I was like, oh, I loved it. And, um, I, I think I, I liken it to two things. Um, the robo tuners came out from Gibson, the first batch, not the later, the first robo tuner guitars. And so that already like, there was like that confused the market. So the VG Strat seemed a little, it was a different technology, a different concept of how it was going to achieve these things. And also um, kind of to your, what you're saying is the Variax was out there. So a lot of people already kind of experienced the, experienced the Variax and some players were like, well, that's like the Variax. And I'm like, well, it's kind of like, like the VG Strat to me is like the Tone Master amps. It's really where Fender kind of excels at is saying, hey, look, there's this technology out there. It's modeling technology, either for guitar or amps why don't we just do one model and stick it one amp and make it easy? Like instead of giving somebody a, uh, an Axe effects, let's just give them a Fender amp that does that's modeled one Fender amp. The row, the, um, the, uh, very, uh, sorry, the, uh, the VG, uh, by Fender was kind of the same thing as the Variax. Like, Hey, you know, what if you don't want 6,000 things? These are all just the core things you want in your American Strat. It was kind of like the VG Strat was kind of like the ultimate gigging Strat, because it would do everything that you would need at a gig, and that's it. And then uh, I think I told you guys a story. It, di- it didn't do well, so they stopped making it. But Roland had spent so much time and effort into it. Roland decided they wanted to keep it going. So Roland, <laughs> which is why this is an important story, um, contract contracted, not contacted, contracted Fender to make them in the made in a made in Mexico version, and Roland sold them. And uh, I remember that specifically because I was a Roland boss dealer and I was a Fender dealer. And when that happened, I remember I go, they brought it back made in Mexico. And I was like, Oh, so I told the Fender guys, well, that's great. You know, I got, I was killing with those in the USA. So USA made, so made in Mexico is even better, a little cheaper. And they're like, Oh, you can't get them from us. You have to go to Roland. You have to become a dealer. I'm like, Oh, I am a dealer. So we would get them from Roland. So that was really weird because we would buy our Fender guitar from Roland because basically Roland was con- contracting them to build them and then selling them to dealers to keep it going. So, uh, where I think that all made the mistake, uh, if you know, hindsight's 2020 and all that stuff. Um, I think they should have always done limited runs. I, I really think that's some of the problems with bigger companies. There's no value to do limited runs. There's not enough money in it when you take up when you, you know, but now what I hope companies have learned, which most of them haven't, is that with social media, you can get more out of a product launch than just a limited run and only make you know a little bit of money. What I mean by that is a lot of companies are figuring this out. It's really super smart. And, and my hat off to them for that. They're learning what channels like us have been kind of telling them for the last few years, which is, you know, you can do a limited run 50 pieces and your brain goes, oh, well, well, we're only going to make 20 grand or 50 grand or 100 grand or whatever that is. And it's not enough money. It's not enough money. But that excitement that that generates gets you free advertising, (laughs) right? Somebody buys it and does a video about it and talks about it. Because let me tell you what they're not talking about. They're not talking about the thing you make every year that's the same. That's not what's getting excitement out there. None of us today, not one question today so far in this first 40 minutes of this show has been like, hey, Phil, uh, you know, the, what do you think of white made in Mexico Fender Strats, <laughs> right? It's all about what's new, what's new, what's new. And so companies always have felt the need to, to make new stuff to generate sales. But I think they should focus now on more limited runs of new stuff, be more crazy with those ideas, you know, do those more adventurous ideas. 
And then of course that even though the, t the numbers of sales won't make, won't make the money back, you'll make it back in all the advertising you don't pay because you'll get people talking about you all the time. In fact, this isn't, I shouldn't even say YouTube channels like us. I've been saying this, this is Doritos uses this technique. I mean, this is the same tech technique as Starbucks. Starbucks doesn't make a unicorn drink <laughs> because they sat in a room and they go, this is a great idea. People like to taste the unicorn. They're like, no, they, everybody is going to take a picture, a selfie of the stupid drink going, I bought that stupid unicorn drink. It's the same idea is that you're going to get people excited about it. Either people are excited about it because it's, they've always wanted a unicorn drink or they're going to talk about it in the negative, which is also the positive, which is, hey, this is a weird drink. Why did they choose to do that? And so there is a lot of to be had that way, um, uh, a lot of new money to be made that way in a new new world. This is how you get things exciting and do you can do exciting things. The McRib. My niece heard said the McRib. Sure, I'd give you that too. Why not? This The concept of why not, you know, just do it. And so uh, companies, I think... Um, I, I kind of, when I, so you guys know, when I do the, you know, your gear limited runs, so we do those runs, um, that we've done, we have some cool ones coming up that I'm pretty excited about. Um, what's nice about the market softening and the guitar boom, you know, uh, dying in June. And we kind of all now know, so, you know, everybody in the industry kind of has articulated that it's like June <laughs> happened in June. If you're looking at numbers, pure numbers, it seems like the numbers really started, started adjusting in June. So um, one of the good things that have come from that for, for the channel for me is that now a lot of companies who are like, yeah, we can't make you any limited edition stuff for your, for your viewers. There's, we can't make the stuff we're making now. Now they're going, okay, yeah, let's do something. Let's do something fun. And I, I, and so you guys know when I approach a company like Zither, when I approach them, I say, hey, look, let's do a limited run of something fun, something cool. Let's keep the price down. And they're always, they're always hyper-focused on the yeah, but Phil, we want to pay you out and we want to make some money. So why don't we make the price of this? And it's always higher, right? There was there. Everybody's plan is always to jack a price up. And so I go, no, no, you don't understand. This is different than a review video. This is different. This is exciting. This is something exciting to talk about. And it's exciting about your company. And I think the Zither guys, I think they were one of the first ones to see it um, really fast, like understand it. Because what companies have learned since then, a lot of them that I've worked with is, uh, you know, two, three of you out of every two or three of you that buy one. No, wait, what am I trying to say? For everyone who buys one of those limited edition, whatever runs we did, um, two or three of you buy a product of theirs that has nothing to do with this because it, it's on your radar now. Or you're like, oh, that's really cool. But I like I, I, I like telling the story about the zither stands. A lot of you guys bought those zither know your gear stands. And I'm not offended I am not at all. Anyway, it's exactly what I intended. And the reason I say that is because I've had somebody email me like an apology email. And it was a really interesting email. And it was very sweet. And it was like, hey, Phil, I really liked your zither stand. But to be honest, like, I didn't know if I really want to know your gear on it. <laughs> so they go, so I just contacted them and had me, I bought one without know your gear. So, I, but I just want to let you know. And so I emailed them back and I said, that's exactly what we were doing. <laughs> we were we were making something exciting for me. It's something I wanted. And because I wanted, I thought maybe there's a couple of the crazy people out there would want it too. But mostly the the benefit to the company to not jack them up and not try to make money off this limited run was I told them exactly what, what you said, that that uh, people would buy the normal ones. And then that's, that's how they'd make their money. So it was uh, really cool. All right. Um,
Okay. Man, you guys can go weird places real fast. You know it's a guitar channel, right? <laughs> I always feel like, you know, there's, you guys, I just always don't want, you know what it is? I always worry about you, like a family almost. Like, I hope you guys aren't, I, I get to, I get to do this for a, a living, being around music and guitars and stuff. And because of that, I have to, I have to acknowledge the fact that some of the stress in, in my life is going to be from the thing I love. And some of the aggravation is going to be from the thing I love. Um, but I hope if you guys are doing this for joy, that none of this should stress you out ever, <laughs> no matter what the talk is. I just really worry about that sometimes because I really want you guys to, 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 to see, to see, feel and see and feel what I feel, which is just a great amount of joy when I play my, my guitar. It's so amazing. Um, it's done everything from made me, it's made me sane to it's made me more happy. <laughs> I was going to say more than happy, but as you guys know, I'm a George Carlin fan. So if I say more than happy, uh, I got a George Carlin joke in my head. Of course, you know, George Carlin goes, doesn't more than happy sound like a medical condition? We had to put him away. He was more than happy. Anyways, uh, Grumpy My Guitar says, for the tone jar and why not? Do you think there is any chance Epiphone will ever do a line of Nitro Finish guitars? You know, I don't know why they don't now. It's always confused me. Nitro Finish is expensive. It's expensive by how long it takes to do it. And companies are constantly figuring out ways to cheat that. There's a couple cheat ways to do that. And this is the stuff I've asked when I've talked to my friends who do paint, you know what I mean? For, Cause I'm like, like I said, I'm not versed in it, but I always ask like, what's the difference? And so there's a couple things. First, they can like do an acrylic foundation or whatever. What, in other words, they don't have to do a layer of nitro. There's companies that paint your guitar with like basically a, acrylic or a polyurethane and then nitro over that. So it has the nitro look and it has the nitro fill, uh, feel, but, uh, it will not, you know, do what nitro does. It doesn't, do all the things nitro does and um which is it'll discolor but of course not totally because the finish i want to say when i say it won't do all the things it does i can hear some of you guys going now like do you mean it's the tone i am not a believer of electric guitar tone being changed by the finish that's on it but i but i can tell you this is the important part nitro finish on an acoustic guitar versus polyurethane massive difference massive it's it's there's no guesswork none in fact i own two hollow body prs guitars i don't know if you guys know this i own two of them and one is nitro because it's the new one and one is their old finish the whatever version of polyurethane they were using and electro you know in the amp no difference but acoustically the nitro one is i want to say it, it seems twice as loud it's not actually because if we put a decibel meter on it you guys would be like it's not twice as loud but you would think the same thing it's dramatic it is dramatic and how much different it is. And what's interesting to me is how dramatic that sounds acoustically does not seem to translate to the amplifier. So when I say the difference in nitro finish, I don't want to, I don't want you to think, tell, think that I think that if I nitro a guitar versus poly, there's a huge difference to the amp. I don't really notice a big difference. Um, and, and, and again, I always kind of say, let's, let's all agree for fun. Cause I think this is a great way to, to, to think of things. I think we should all agree as a guitar community that everything matters and is different and has a difference. So tone wood 
exists. But we get to assign, you, each person gets to assign the percentage. So you get to say like 0. 0.000 with one, because you could argue that, yeah, no one can hear it, but it may be, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe a whatever, a, a dog could hear it. Um, I like thinking in that logic, like, you know, there's a difference. Everything has a difference. When somebody says, when you guys ask, what's the difference between these two things? It's subtle. And the question is, does it matter? to you, but it could be different. And um, I like that way of thinking because it stops the argument from one person's delusional and the other person's not to how much does that person think they perceive the thing. And I think that's a great way to, and it's not because I'm like, we should all be friends. It's because this is what I want to talk about. So of course, because I love talking about guitar, I want to find ways to engage people to talk about it, not find ways to engage people to angry and quit talking about it. Um, but back to the, to the nitro finishes on your uh, guitars. So some do use like a, a harder finish and then they put nitro on top of it. Some will actually use nitro. And then of course some companies uh, do it. Um, you know, they put a thin, they put a thin layer and then they sand it and they thin layer. And this takes over uh, weeks to do. In my personal opinion, um, I can't, you know, speak to all guitar manufacturers, but I, I believe in my, in my experience is Gibson does nitro the best. Like when I see it a, a done the best, and I know some of you guys are gonna be like, yeah, but there's finish flaws. Nitro is really not the best looking stuff. But when you see, when I've gone to factories, Nit uh, Gibson did it the best. Like there was, there was the most care involved in how they did it. Um, some of the other factories I've seen do it, it's kind of like a, their whole goal is like their whole claim to to their whole claim to fame is like how fast they figure out how to do it. And it doesn't seem like nitro and the word fast should be in the same sentence because it's just not a fast process. Back to Epiphone. What's the issue? Same issue. Um, uh, a, a friend of mine who runs a factory overseas uh, in Europe said this amazing thing to me that I have, I've said now many times. Uh, he said uh, he doesn't call, uh, you know, Chinese Asian guitars. He doesn't call them anything. He doesn't call American guitars anything other than American guitars are, are slow made and Asian guitars are fast made. And basically what he's talking about is price points, right? So he says, when I think, when you, not about country of origin, not about, not about anything else. What he looks at is if a guitar is $300, it was made fast by definition it has to be, can't take forever to make a guitar. That's not very expensive. A $3,000 guitar is made very slow. That's what you're hoping for, right? You're hoping more time taken into it. Um, so, for instance, a good way to think of that is if you have a $3,000 guitar, you would like to think that someone took 30 minutes to an hour to dress your frets. If you have a $300 guitar, I think it would be acceptable to understand that somebody took 10 to 20 minutes to dress your frets. So that's why uh, a lot of us, when we buy inexpensive guitars, we know spending a little bit of time with the guitar, you know, polishing up the frets, doing a couple of things, doing the things that they kind of couldn't do very well in the factory makes a big difference because that's essentially what they're doing in the expensive factories. Um, so the whole fast to slow. And so in that definition, if you, if you think like he's thinking, which is inexpensive guitars are fast made, expensive guitars are slow made. Nitro is just not conducive to that process of going fast because it's, it's very slow. Um, me, I agree with you. I think, uh, I think uh, Epiphone, if Epiphone was to make a, like when they did the, the 59 reissue, if they were to make a thousand dollar Epiphone, but with nitro, I think that would be really appealing to me as a, as a, as a guitar player, as a buyer. Cause I'm like the whole, um, you know, spec out. It's kind of like, uh, one of you guys, and I forgot the, the viewer and I apologize. I'm shifting here in my seat. Sorry. Um, one of the, one of the 
viewers here suggest something. It was like months ago, but it was so great. Like I remember just like it stuck with me when they said, wouldn't it be great if the Made in Mexico plant, Fender Made in Mexico plant would have had a custom shop too. And you could buy custom shop Made in Mexico's. And I was like, yeah, right. And and use the same structure of pricing too, by the way. So in other words, you know, if you look at the, if you look at the um, Made in America pricing and the Made in Mexico pricing, whatever that, whatever that uh, variance is in the pricing, just follow that same mathematical method for a custom shop. To me, instead of spending $4,000 for a custom shop strat, if you told me that I could get one made in Mexico uh, for not half, it wouldn't be half. It would be exactly what they do now, but it'd be in the high twos, like under three. That'd be really cool. <laughs> it just would. It, it's like, doesn't it? It does. I don't go, oh man, what would be the resale value? And I think, no, I just, there's certain, I've told you guys this many times, there's certain things I like about certain guitars. And I tell you all the time, I don't buy a guitar because of where it's made. I buy a guitar because of what specs it has. And then, but sadly enough, some of the specifications I'm drawn to are in the high, high expensive American made guitars. And that's why they do that. Cause they know, they know if you're interested in those certain things that you'll pay for it. So, uh, so yeah, I, I think so. And of course, I think I've been very clear over the years that I think Squire and Epiphone should just stop faking not being as good as the uh the high-end gibson fender counterparts they should just make them just like those stop we're i think we're all done <laughs> okay wait back up i don't want to speak for a thousand of you i'm done i said this before i really appreciate prs making the se's even more like the cores every time it's really cool I applaud them for that. I think it's going the right direction. I know it's a slow hill to go up. And, and again, I applaud them for that. Um, and that being Squire too. Squire slowly moving in the right direction, improving the quality, improving the specifications. Heck, at least the bodies are the right thickness now. Same with that phone. But at this point, can we just stop trying and just do it? Just make the guitars. Like to me, just make a guitar. If you make a guitar in China and then you make a guitar in the U.S. and you make, stop pretending that no one in Indonesia doesn't know how to make a guitar like an American. It doesn't make any sense. So this damn machines are the same machines almost at this point. Everything's the same. It It's actually, and, and, and I can tell you because I, I have talked to so many factory uh, managers but also owners of factories over in Asia that flat out tell you like, man, that you could see, the, I can see, I can see the anger in the tone my mother used to say, watch people's teeth when they, if they grunt their teeth, <laughs> right? I don't know why she told me this. She was like, when, when people, when you're talking, watch their teeth. And if they grunt their teeth when you're talking, you're pissing them off or they're pissed. And um, I, I don't know why this stuck with me. So I, I've talked to, to people who own factories overseas and I can hear it. <laughs> I can hear them. Gr gr I can see it. I can see them gr grinting their teeth. And um, basically, when it comes to the whole, they're being told to do the guitar the way they're being told. You know, it's because, and they're being told that on their end, what they get told, they get told a slightly different story than us. But it's the same. There's a, there is a, there is a, con there is a thing that connects the story. Okay, and it's what us. Now we're talking about the ones you guys out there watching it and me what we will pay for. It's all about what we apparently will pay for. Like, man, yeah, we would have you make the guitar just like the American one, but people won't pay for it when it's $1,500 versus the, you know, $1,000 or $1,000 versus the $600 or whatever it is. And um, I have I have personally, uh, I don't see that to be true. I think some people will pay the premium for premium's sake. I mean, you know, 
Some people want nice things. It's, I like nice things. Everybody likes nice things. But everybody chooses what nice things they want. But my point is that, yeah, I think some people buy things because they're nice things. I think sometimes they'll, there's loyalty, of course, right? There's, there's, a, um, there's a loyalty to buying uh, from the country you live in. There's a loyalty to buying the countries that, for some reason, you, you have some kind of connection to. Right. There's that logic, too. But ultimately, uh, I would love to see a world (laughs) where all the guitars are specced the same. And then the prices are just by the actual the actual the actual currency. Like, obviously, it's cheaper to make a guitar over in Asia. It's cheaper to make a guitar in Mexico than it is in the U.S. Just is. So just make the guitars the same. Make everything the same. See what happens. I'm really curious. I think what's going to happen is everything. The people buying the import guitars will get a better product, and the people who are going to buy the expensive American guitars are still going to buy them. They're just going to buy them because of whatever reason they're buying them, too. I don't know. That's just my two cents. Okay. Uh, Susan says she has champagne taste and a powdered milk budget. You know, it's funny. Uh, I grew up hearing the term uh, champagne test taste and beer budget so same thing but uh um but yes i think that's all of us <laughs> okay uh what do we have we have we have a second to refresh something Oh, John says, hey, man, for the thank you for the super chat, John. John says, hey, uh, for the tone jar, can't wait to play the bass. Uh, so J- John is talking about the fact that I currently have his bass. <laughs> uh, I'm laughing at the bass. How low can you go? Death row? What a brother do. Uh, for those uh, anthrax uh, and public enemy fans. Anyways, um, uh, the... Um, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go sideways, anyways, John. Since you know, thank you for the super chat. Here's my two things that I say. Uh, you can't say the word "base" to me without me saying that, <laughs> and uh, you can't say. And I got. Uh, <laughs> I and if I say so, I got that going for me. Um, if I if you don't say which is nice, uh, it makes me nuts. <laughs> which is so I like quote Caddyshack, and apparently Anthrax Public Enemy all the time. That's my way of saying that. Uh, so back to John, John, I have his bass. He's, uh, we have a, uh, a sharp max, um, uh, bass video coming. I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, it was really cool. Um, I came up with a really crazy combination. John has no idea what I'm going to do his bass. The only thing he knows from obviously the other sharp max videos is that, um, uh, that everything I will do can be reversed without marring the instrument, which was the, I wanted to embrace the the original Sharp Maxis, that's you know, and which was at core was okay. It's somebody else's instru- instrument, not mine. Preferably not a YouTuber's instrument, but we did a lot of those, and they're really cool. But you know, a viewer's instrument, and also whatever the modifications were, was to show you like here's how you can mod stuff, and then of course reverse whatever you want to reverse and put back the way you want. So, so yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited about it, and of course highlight some really cool products which is really cool too. Things are interesting. Um, it's kind of fun to me. It's fun to me. It's fun to me. It's fun. Uh, what's fun to me is that, um, you know, I, I, um, I'm doing it a little different, which is now instead of saying, okay, does anyone want an instrument? To, so that don't send me the instrument you have because I'm doing it backwards. Now I'm looking for a type of instrument and then I go after you guys to for it. 
Um, and, um, and then, so that, that's what I'm doing now. It's like, I'm like, wouldn't it be cool to do this to this type of instrument? So with John's particular case, I went to them, uh, I went to you guys and said, uh, I'm looking for this type of bass exactly. So if you guys are looking, or if you guys want to know where I do that, obviously I do that on the Patreon, and then also I message people through the YouTube channel and then Facebook and other places that I can find to find the instrument I'm looking for. Uh Damien says, hey, Phil, can you provide your 2022 updated opinion on Gibson versus Epiphone Les Pauls? Sure, I could do that um, as a video. That'd be great. I uh, love the show. It's my Friday end of work day whistleblow. Yeah, you know, it is for me, too. It's kind of like several different. <laughs> Here's this for me. Uh, the show to me is the, ah, oh, crap, I didn't get it done this week. And now it's the weekend. And so I go, okay, I'll do it in the morning, tomorrow, Saturday morning. My thing is always get up Saturday morning and work until about 1 o'clock. Sometimes I push that at two o'clock in the afternoon, but that's my work day on Saturdays. <clears throat> and then usually Ralph pops in or somebody cops over and then that's the time to stop and maybe barbecue and do something else. And then Sunday's the same thing. I'm trying, uh, you know, Tim Pierce told me, oh, I don't know if I'm allowed to share this, but I don't think you'll mind. He's, he's a really sweetheart of a person. Um, he told me what he's doing now is he's working every day, but like half day. And I told him, I go, that's amazing. That's my goal. So, you know, I'm going to Tim Pierce soon. I'm going to, that's my goal is to work seven days a week, but only half days. I'd be perfect. Uh, but I think he's got better time management than me. So I'm going to figure it out. So, uh, by the way, Ace wants everybody to know the Baba Booey. <laughs> Referencing the joke I made a couple weeks ago. So I appreciate that. Uh and Michael wants to super chat us uh, just to say he wants to know if he's been deleted again and he was not deleted. Uh, I can tell you right now, uh, if you guys so care to understand, I get this uh, from time to time. People say, oh, I've been deleted or thanks. Now I can't, which my favorite is thanks. You deleted my other comment and now no one can see it, which is funny because I'm like, well, you can see this one. So the other one must. Here's what happens. I've already told you this. Um, I filter all of the comments now. They're all filtered. There is so many words that are being filtered out now for these uh, scammer people. Um, that's what's happening. So if you put a comment for some reason and you don't see it, sadly enough, you have to wait hours, if not a day, depending on how fast I'm on it. I'm on it two, three times a day. I'm in there and I'm like letting everything, you know, go. <laughs> like this one's okay. This one's okay. This is okay. I'd like to tell you that I'm reading them. I'm not. All I'm looking for is any of the scammer stuff where they're trying to get you to a contest or whatever it is they're after. I'm just like, let it go, let it go, let it go and get it out there. And so that's what it's doing. So there's a bunch of words, unfortunately, you know, look, it, before it was easy. It was the the big words that were, they were using in their things, which were easy, but now there's, you know, I gotta, I gotta trap up stupid words. Like, you know, I don't, I don't want to tell anybody because <laughs> who knows? I don't know if they watch. Uh, I don't know what the scammers do. I can tell you that they do, they do put stuff. And then of course the filters are grabbing it. So they, like you guys, they don't see their comments. So then they readjust and put it down with one. So they have been, um, on this channel, at least I can only tell you what they're doing on my channel. They have been adjusting constantly. Um, and there is a, uh, there is a, uh, a program that you can use to filter it and do this stuff and keeps them out. And I've used that, but I really like the way I'm doing it. It's really effective. It's probably, it's probably crushing like 98% of what they're up to. Um, 
And more importantly, it lets me know when they're up to it, which is, uh, which is important to me. So, uh, Justice 100 for win. Uh, wants to know, what do I think of Wild Audio Guitars? You know, I, I obviously, I just recently uh, did the video with Zach Wild um, where he popped on the podcast and we talked about uh, his guitars and his new uh, Berserker course, which I think came out today. So if anyone uh, is interested in his new lesson course, um, it's out today, I'm pretty sure. And uh, actually, I'm sure it's 14th. And uh, um, uh, there's a link to that video I did. And I think that's why I put it there in today's show is in case you want to click the link, watch the interview, but also because it will take you to that video for his berserker course, help him out. The, um, he was gracious enough, gracious enough to come on the show. We should be gracious enough to consider if you're, you know, I wanted to put it out there in case anyone wanted to take his course. Um, the guitars are cool, man. They're really cool. I, I, you know, it's one of those things like to me, they look like Menaric guitars. If you guys know what those are, like Menaric guitars meets Gibson's. That's kind of the thing. It, it's got a vibe. The one I like is, uh, the, the V I like the Viking V and I like, uh, what's the other one? The one that looks like a destroyer. And I really, really feel bad. Now I got to kind of, now I got to see what model it is because unfortunately a lot of you got to be listening to the show and not watching it. So, you know what I like about, um, uh, <laughs> about the internet is I typed in wild audio guitars and the first thing that comes up is Sweetwater telling me to go to check them out at Sweetwater. But if I know if I click the thing on Sweetwater, it's going to be like, we don't carry it, but we carry these things. So, oh, you know what? Now I'm curious because what if I say that? And then you guys are all, nope. Oh, but funny. S- funny. Look at that. Let's look, look, let's share. So I typed in wild audio and I misspelled it with an I and a Y. Okay. Oh, and now it went away. So it was just in that way. But anyways, let me go back because I want to show you what it was doing. That was cool and weird. <laughs> so I clicked it and, oh, it, it changed it to wild audio. Correct. Yeah. It said, hey, we carry his pickups and his strings. <laughs> so that, so it knew what I was after, which is Zach Wild. So let's let's actually spell it without an I and a Y. And Guitar Center, obviously, Schecter Guitars. This is the actual guitar, so we'll just share this. You guys watching? There it is. Okay, so, oh, the Blood Eagle. Man, this is what I like. It looks like a destroyer. I just like the headstock. I like the vibe of it. These SG ones, they're a little too much for me. Like, too, that's just a little, like a, that's more more guitar than I can handle. This is like when I look at a motorcycle, and I'm like, yeah, that's just a little more than I can handle. That's really cool. The V is my favorite, though. This right here, the Viking. Um, Yeah, I really like that. But, I mean, it's... It's, uh, they're, they're as akin to him as the EVH stripe, uh, stripe guitars are to, to Eddie. I mean, it's a definitely a cool line of guitars, but it is connected to him. You don't, you don't see those guitars and not think of him. It's just like, you don't look at a striped Eddie Van Halen guitar and not think of Eddie. So that's one of the things I think about. Uh, Kevin, what's up, Kevin? He says, uh, for the hard hat fund and why not? I am thinking about getting a 412 cabinet for my Katana head Mark II. What modern Ford, uh, what day, wait, what modern day 412 cabinet would be recommended in today's day and age and market? You should buy a 412 that you can find local dirt cheap. Cause I uh, remember they're, they're uh, horrible to sell. Um, you, you can't get good money for them. Um, and even when the, during the boom, they, they shot up. They still didn't shot up like everything else. But you, you should be able to find them again. Uh, so just look for a good deal for them. 
that's mine. Uh, thing to me to go ahead and buy a 412 new right now is really tough for me to consider because when I go and look new, they're all crazy. You go on there and you know, think of this you can go look at a Marshall 1960 cabinet. What are they, $1,300 now? Some crazy price. Somebody's gonna look it up, I'm sure. Let me know. Um, thousand, twelve hundred, thirteen hundred dollars, but yet getting three, four hundred dollars used, uh, you still can find them for that. So, um, I would look local and find one. And then what I do, if I'm going to consider getting a cabinet like that, I'm really focused not on the brand, but the speakers. Construction of the cabinet is important. All that stuff is important. But if you're trying to buy a good cabinet for, for, for short money, uh, speakers, um, I have a friend, uh, who just emailed me the other day and he wants to sell his 412 cabinet, which is the last thing I want in the world is a 412. And I said, well, I'll, uh, put it out there, but of course you gotta be local. And uh, he he gave me the price of six hundred bucks, and I go okay. And I was doing the math, going, I don't think you can buy those speakers for six hundred bucks because I think it's two V30s and two blue Alnico Celestians. So I don't know. So I was thinking about that, going. So basically, what I was trying to say is that same thing. Try to buy. I try to buy the cabinet that has the best speakers in it, because um, what will kill you financially is buying a speaker cabinet and then loading four speakers in it. Speakers are expensive now for good ones. So uh, that's the funny thing about it. You can buy a 412, they're cheap, but try to buy four speakers that are good. It's going to cost more than the cabinet. So that's my suggestions for you. And uh, other than, you know, if you really, really don't want one, don't do it. <laughs> They, I, I, I like a 412, uh, you know, it's kind of fun and it's big and it's, it's got a lot of, but I prefer 212 cabinets over, over that. And to be honest with you, I say that all the time. I prefer 212s, but most of the time I'm happy with just a 112. Son of John says, can you summarize the difference of tuners, pros and cons, and which is your favorite? Thanks. Sure. Talking about electric guitar tuners. I'm going to assume that's what we're talking about, not tuning keys. Um, so, uh, hold on. Uh, what is my, you said preference, right? Can you summarize the differences? Not my preference, the differences. Well, the thing about tuners, I have a different perspective of them than some, for some reason. A lot of people have really hard opinions on tuners. And I know this because when you work on people's guitars, they have a lot of like, this is the tuner they use. <laughs> I use Peterson strobe tuners, um, because it is industry standard to do intonation on them to the point where no one is going to come to me. I have three Peterson strobe tuners. I have an old school one and I have one of the pedals and then I have uh, the more modern one that I showed in my last video, uh, which is smaller. And then of course I have snark tuners and I have clip on TC electronics tuners and I have a boss of uh, a uh, pedal tuner. I have my original Sabine uh, ST 1000 tuner. It was in 1992, one, 91, it was $50, $60, which is crazy money for that tuner, Sabine ST1000. And uh, made in the USA. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so tuners. Uh, I Personally, I think you can buy one off. Uh, so, so that's what I said. Uh, this is my controversial opinion, maybe. I think you can just buy the cheapest clip-on tuner on Amazon, and you're going to be fine. Uh, the uh, I like Snark because you can relatively get them very, very cheap. Some people are going to have, again, opinions about how accurate they are, not accurate they are. 
What I can tell you is, is that uh, uh, from anyone who jams with other musicians a lot will tell you that the best thing in the world is not everybody has the best tuner, is that everybody uses the same tuner to tune with. That usually is the best. I found that to be so like so let, let's say let's say take let's take the 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 six dollar ninety nine cent Amazon tuner and everybody goes, Oh it's crap. I will tell you right now, you can have that opinion. Good for you. But uh, I have seen if you ha- put it on stage and everybody who pl- plays on stage uses that same tuner, they all sound fine. <laughs> They're all in tune with each other. Um, so uh, I, I like that. A lot of uh, people who run jam nights will have that as a policy, that you all have to use their tuner. A lot of them will do that because of that reason. It's just, hey, look, if the tuner's slightly off, we're all off together. Remember, it's it's music. It's a combination of people together. So if you're all off together. Um, so, uh, I, but I also, so you know, I use a tuner app. I use the Boss Tuner app. I have a tuner on my phone. Or, I just said that on my phone. I have a tuner in the computer and the software um, that I use. All the softwares. It's in my Kemper. I mean, I have tuners everywhere. And I don't specifically ever go, oh, man, this sucks. The only thing I will tell you about clip-on tuners and price is sometimes... They don't read low notes very well. So basses become problematic. A little seven string on a, on a guitar is really uh, problematic sometimes. Sometimes that, that becomes the issue. Um, but, uh, you know, it's not a huge thing. So I don't overthink tuners. I think everybody's uh, fine with that. Well, I will tell you, I will tell you something I, I really don't have any proof of. Um, and so it's, I, I can't tell you that this is any fact I've asked everyone who I, I think would know the answer. I've asked this and they don't know the answer and not everyone has actually seen this, but I've learned this little weird thing with clip on tuners. And I've said this many times before, I think no matter which one you buy, they don't handle being dropped very many times. So we would have this problem in the store. I just remember that. We would have a tuner. Like, we would open a package and have a tuner because you have customers come in and they tune their guitar up. Here's a tuner. And the tuners always, as they get dropped, it's like always felt like after they got dropped, like, you know, straight to the ground, three or four or five times, then they stopped working very well. And so it always got me thinking, uh, I wonder if in the tuner is some kind of filament, right? Um and, and again, I'm not educated in this because I don't, I don't design or build tuners, but I would imagine in the tuner, it's obviously sensing vibrations. So something in it has to move, right? Or like a, like some kind of filament, something like that. And, uh, I, we always wonder like if it breaks, if it can crack or be damaged. And I've asked, I've actually asked companies that make these tuners, but the problem about these tuners is, is that 90% of the people that make these tuners don't make them. They buy them. They buy the, the the very few companies that <laughs> make these clip-on tuners with their brand on them. They just rebrand. Like there's a, somebody who makes them, and then they go, yeah, yeah, put our name on that. And, and they change some of the specs. But anyways, so that's my working theory is that somehow the thing that's in there that's moving sometimes can get damaged or broken. Um, and then I notice that. Then I notice they're less accurate. And so I've seen that many times. Um and uh, right now, currently, what clip-on tuners I'm using, I'm using the Snark rechargeables and the Daddario rechargeables. Daddario gave me a rechargeable one at the Sweetwater show, and it's small. I like how small it is, really small. And the screen seems a little brighter. Um, but I'm all rechargeables now. I, I, uh, I, I've been slowly 
uh, giving away my old ones. Um, I bought, as some of you guys, some of my patrons know, when you do the premium membership, I, my wife sends you a, a, a little thing, assortment of things I like. And of course, it has my favorite tuner in it. But most of you guys have been getting my the gray one, which was my second favorite tuner, <laughs> because because I bought boxes of them. So when I buy boxes of tuners to, to give these out, you know, I have to get rid of them as I go through it. And slowly I switched over to the recharged one. I don't think it's any more accurate. I don't think it's any better. I just think, I just don't, I like not having 2032 batteries anymore. Um, I have uh, all the stuff on my bicycle is re- rechargeable now with SD, uh, USB plugs. I'm pretty sure I am, I am really sure I am 2032 list now. In other words, like I don't, I have a pack of 2032 batteries. Those are coin batteries. As you guys don't know what I'm talking about. They look like a nickel, uh, the size of a nickel. Um, I don't have anything that takes batteries anymore. Everything's rechargeable for me. So um, I've switched to that. So there's my, there's my thing. And then of course, if you're really nervous about it, just buy a Peterson. There's, it's, it's the best. It's the most accurate for sure. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Thank you, Jack, for the super sticker. Uh, Michael says, we know you're hurting to put scraps of food on the family table, Phil. Okay. And your Tundra tank is vapors. I don't have a Tundra, but I thank you for that. Uh, but there's, remember, I, I told a story once about how I was going to buy a Tundra, but they wanted to put, uh, remember that market correction on there? So I didn't buy that truck. But there's 10 bucks towards your next Petrucci guitar. So the, interesting enough. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I, I don't have a full-size truck. I have a mid-size truck because I, I wanted more fuel efficiency for me. I don't you drive very much, as you know, so I didn't want a big truck. I looked at the Tundra because it was a hybrid. So I was looking for, again, fuel efficiency. Um, I don't know why. Uh, oh, I know exactly why, because I don't drive any freeway mileage. So obviously there's no justification. I have no justification to buy a truck. That was my logic. Like, really, I should have, like, a small car because I go, like, the Target and I go to the come back and then I go to Costco. <laughs> it's, it's like the, and then I go to a coffee shop and then I come back to the house. So, um, yeah, but, uh, like I said, I couldn't, I couldn't, that was crazy. I'm not paying no crazy overprice over the market correction price. Um, and when I say that, if any of you guys have, uh, that's on you, but, uh, my main logic was I didn't need the vehicle. So it's a great place to be in, by the way, during the COVID, I sold my old truck, which I owned outright. And so my logic was, I don't need a car, so I'll just sell it. And so the money just sat in my account. And then, uh, I don't know, almost two years later, I was like, I don't know, maybe I do want a truck. (laughs) I just, I just, I was like, I don't know. I just, maybe I need to, maybe I need a vehicle to go places. I don't know. Um, uh, So there you go. So that's the easy part. In fact, to give you like a reference of my my driving, uh, my old truck I bought in 2016. So 16, 17, oh, this is going to be crazy. 16, 17, I just know how you do it, right? You go 17, 18, 19, 20. So I sold it in 2020. Sounds about right. Yep. So four years. I had the truck four years. I think I had 12,000 miles on it. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. 
All right. Uh, okay. So that will give you uh, an idea how much I drive. Uh, Vince says, hey, Phil, do you still do repairs? I'm in Tempe and need new frets on my acoustic guitar. I do not do repairs anymore. I really miss it. Um, now, don't get me wrong. There's a couple situations where things come in. A couple old diehard customers have a situation. They're having a problem. You know, we try to make exceptions. It's literally, I can tell you, though, um, I don't have any time to do them. That's the downfall of 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 uh, of doing so many things. Like, uh, that's it. So, will I ever do them again? Yeah, I think so. But I actually um, almost believe. Uh, well, I don't almost believe. I kind of believe that either one of two things will happen: the YouTube channel will die which is possible. And then I'll do repairs because I won't be making content. <laughs> so also I can tell you right now, some adjustments that might actually have as uh, I made some huge adjustments to how I operate and work with companies. Um, so one of the thing that is going to help me uh, with companies is I've been fighting for many years, having a standardized kind of policy with companies. And I've decided that that's part of the thing that's sucking up so much time is talking back and forth with companies to make a video. It's just a lot of time back and forth. And, uh, and, uh, what? And, uh, so I think a standardized policy would make it easier for, for me and for them and for everybody and cut down on that stuff. Um, since I have a pretty, pretty easy way of doing things with companies, but yeah, that's the answer with the repair. Like I said, I stopped when Arizona shut itself down during COVID and then, uh, I just mentioned I was going to do winding pickups because I was already making a few here and there. And then that kind of really locked me down. And uh, and I'm currently, I'm never behind on pickups. I refuse to be. So you guys know, I don't have like, I oh man, I like there's nobody, if you've noticed in the chats, everybody's either like, oh, I got your pickups and I like them. Or they sit, there's nobody ever going, hey, when's my pickups going to be done? Um, I refuse to do that. So what I do is I just make pickups, make pickups. We put them on the site. They sell through. And then I go back to making pickups. I am currently, if I was going to guess, and I don't know for sure, if I was going to guess, I'm probably making half as many pickups as probably we could sell. Uh, it sounds pretty aggressive. I'll say I'm making 80% of the pickups that we could possibly sell safe to do. Either way, um, if I have time, it's tough for me to go, okay, yeah, I'll do a work of repair because I'm like, I really probably should be sitting in front of the winding machine. And soon you guys will know what the other crazy things I'm up to. That all happens in November and... Uh, You'll see. So <laughs> you guys are so much, so much discussion over hybrid trucks. Um, okay. Uh, Benjamin says, Hey Phil, I love the show. Just got a Squire Jazzmaster that has Indian Laurel fretboard that has a lot of friction. Can I sand it for a smoother feel? Should I uh, be concerned about the radius? Uh, thanks. Uh, look, uh, what I would do, and when I say what I would do, I never say what I would do if I was you. What I would do uh, with that guitar is this. I would get some painter's tape. I would tape up the pickups and, of course, the sides of the fretboard or the sides of the, the body where the neck meets. Just tape all that up, okay, because what I'm going to tell you next is important. And then I would get steel wool, and I would steel wool the whole fretboard and frets. Like triple odd, uh, you know, uh, four odd, just do it. 
Um, the reason why I say that is because everybody always says, everybody's going to say in the comments, they always say this, but then you'll get steel wool fibers on your pickups. Yeah. That's why you tape them off. Just tape them off. It's not the end of the world. There's other things you can use too. As you know, I like the, the micro mesh stuff, but that's not what I would use. So I, I can't tell you to use something I wouldn't use. This is what I can tell you, Benjamin. If you brought me that guitar, I would take steel wool to your fretboard and your frets. Cause it's going to polish your frets too. And I would just polish on, I would just it, going with the grain up and down. I would do the fretboard. And here's why I will tell you this. Um, well, I can't turn the camera anymore. I used to be able, remember I used to be able to move the camera and show you something? I can't because the camera doesn't move you. Um, my ES335, if you watch the video, Benjamin, of my ES335 ES Gibson guitar, which is a pretty pricey uh, instrument, um, that had a rough, same problem as yours. I feel like when I was bending a note, anytime I touch the fretboard with my finger, I feel like, man, what is this raw, you know, was this raw, unfinished? Like I made the joke feel like 75 grit or something, but it's, it did, it felt like maybe 250. But anyways, uh, that's what I did to that guitar. I still will did, uh, and it does a perfect job. It'll feel smooth. Really what you want to do is simulate years of just playing it and that will smooth out the fretboard. Um, and then after you do all that, then do some kind of fretboard conditioner on it and uh, whatever you like. I like F1 oil by Music Nomad. That's the only stuff I use. Um, I do have some other stuff that was sent to me by another uh, company who's a much smaller company. I'm going to test their stuff. So obviously, um, you know, because uh, I hate to be all like one product only, but it's what I use. I only use that stuff. It would absolutely be fine is what I'm trying to tell you. And then I thought there was a second part to that question. Was there? Uh, can I sand it? Yep. Smoother feel. Yep. Didn't you be concerned about? Nope. Nope. And not with the radius. Because what I'm telling you to do, you could. <laughs> Benjamin, you couldn't change that radius with some steel wool. <laughs> if you did, you have way too much time in your hand. I don't even know what it would take. It would take, it would be impossible. I mean, essentially, you're buffing it uh, is not, um, uh, it. <laughs> You're buffing it more than you're sanding it. So, yeah, guitar nineteen fifty two says I buffed the uh, the uh, fretboard on my my three thirty five. So 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 you know, since it's in true tr transparency, um, I did steel wool, like I said, and then I have a buffing wheel, so I ran it by the buffing wheel real fast. Um, but that really wasn't the huge part of it. It was really the steel wool, but yeah, I have a buffing wheel. So yeah, if you have a buffing wheel, if you do not have a buffing wheel, please do not practice on one of your guitars. You'll be sorry. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, Michael says, what brand of truck did you buy? I bought a GMC truck. Um, uh, the, uh, uh, why was that? Uh, cause I was looking at Toyotas, like I was looking at Tacomas and then the Tundras had a new hybrid. So I was like, okay, I'll look at that. But then, you know, they were like, Hey, here's the crazy price on that. Uh, uh, and, I, uh, for the record, everything was just by how it looks. The GMC I bought, the package I bought is, is just for the aesthetic of it. I use none of those things. I have no problem admitting that there's nothing wrong with that. I, I, uh, it, it has a four by four package and a whole nine that doesn't matter to me. Could four by four wouldn't do it anyways. 
Um, just I, I wanted the aesthetics that it came with. I, I liked the way it looked. And uh, I have a bunch of requirements for like, you know, obviously safety concerns and all kinds of stuff that I wanted. So I just went through a list. And, and, and this, it's the beggars can't be choosers. I bought my truck new for, I'm not exaggerating, for $2,000 less than I could buy it used. That was the big problem too. As you guys know, if you haven't been out there, we don't want to spend any time on this, but if you haven't been out there looking at cars or especially in trucks, it seemed to be more problematic. Um, the, um, yeah, the used, the stuff is as much, if not sometimes more than the new stuff. Um, the, so, so it worked out. Um, Okay. All right. Uh, what else do we have? I think we're almost done. Do we have anything else? Let me let me just make sure there's not a super chat, and then I'll see if there. Uh, and I think I see one, but it, I'll let's handle that, and then I'll see if there's any other cool, quick little tidbits and stuff we can talk about before we start our weekends. Uh, I'm gonna say roast a slat. Oh, man, I'm sorry. I don't know how to do it. I apologize, but I got your question. Here's the important part. It says, hey, Phil, my Gibson Les Paul pickup is chrome and too shiny. How can I make them matte without uh, ruining them uh, like a vintage Les Paul? You can't because it's chrome plated. You could try and scuff it up. It's not going to look right. It's not going to look the way you think. It's not going to look like nickel covers. So sadly enough, what you have to do is replace the covers you can. I have a video showing you how to replace the covers. You just Google, you know, whatever. Go on YouTube, Phil McKnight pickup covers, and it's showing you how they're installed. Take them off. You're just going to desolder the two points on uh, on each side of the pickup, and you just pull that cover off and clean it a little bit because you'll some of the potting wax and stuff will be a mess. You have to repot it to some extent, maybe. Um, you may not have to, you can probably use some silicone. It's up to you. And then just buy a nickel cover. You can recover your pickup. It's a, it's an easy thing to do. Um, if you have a local luthier slash tech that does that kind of work, they'll do it for you as well. And of course it should cost less to do that than obviously buying pickups. So there's a savings there. Or of course you can, cause they're Gibson pickups and they're desirable. You could always pull them out and sell them off and get something else. Um, and, uh, but no, I would not recommend, uh, trying to scuff up the chrome because, uh, you know, they are a quality company, Gibson, you know, they are making high-end stuff. Um, but, uh, I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what kind of cover they put on there and how they chromed it and how thick it is. I mean, you could probably, you could try to scuff it up and go right through it. Next thing you know, you're going to have these copper streaks and all kinds of stuff, uh, in the metal. It's going to, it's just going to not, not worth it. Don't do it. I would say, don't do it. Uh, especially since I'm not looking at them. <laughs> Jerry wants to know what kind of candy I give out for Halloween. Um, you know, last year was the first Halloween. We didn't give out any candy to this year, Halloween. We're probably going to do the same thing. My kids are old and they don't care. So, um, this year, our, our plan for Halloween, the Mrs. And I are, we're going to take our, uh, bicycles and, um, we're going to decorate them. <laughs> I'm not kidding. We're going to probably rent some, Christmas, or not Christmas lights, but Halloween lights on them or something, right? Because that way they're real bright, you know, kind of wrap some lights. I don't know what we're going to do. Put lights on the bikes just to make them even brighter than normal. Um, and then maybe we'll wear like some kind of costume-esque themed 
outfits, but probably not. And then ride around the neighborhoods and just look at houses and people and kids trick or treating and just kind of see, you know, get to, to like soak it in. I think that's what we're going to do. Um, that's our plan. So, but for the record, we did, uh, it was the candy bar house, man. I gave her candy bars. I went to Costco and buy boxes of candy bars. I, I told my wife one year, I said, you know, I always wanted, didn't you always want to be the candy bar house? Like when I was a kid, man, the candy bar house, like that, that house, that was rich, man. We used to go to the rich neighborhoods to get a candy bar and that's crazy. And so I said, wouldn't it be crazy if we were the candy bar house? And so I told her, I told her I, we were at Costco and they would sell candy bars. And I said, okay, I have a great idea. <laughs> I go, and I forgot what the number was. I don't know, it was like 40, right? Or something like that. It was like 40 bucks, like four, a buck of candy bars, something like that. It was 40 bucks or something like that. Maybe it was 60. I don't know. I don't, I have to ask my wife. And I would say, I told her, I said, here's what we'll do. We're going to hand out candy bars. We're going to buy like, you know, let's say, I think it was probably 60, 60 bucks worth, right? 60 candy bars. Each kid break their bag. Bam. Here's your candy bar, kid. Right? Just like, uh, uh, Bill Burr says. And then, uh, and when we get down to like the last six candy bars, then it's like, okay, it's time to give them out and get it in the house. <laughs> Shut everything down. I said, I would rather close down early and give every kid a big candy bar than, than, you know, so that's what we did. So that's what we do. And, uh, but, um, unfortunately, uh, it's my kids don't care anymore. And sweet, uh, sweet water, <laughs> red sweet water on a comment. Um, uh, you know, Halloween's different. So that's our plan on that note. I will talk to you guys soon. There's some cool videos coming out. I just uh, finished up editing one today. There's another one coming out too. Of course, Sharp My Axe is coming as well. Some other stuff. I hope you guys check that out. If you haven't checked out the second channel, I got interviews there and cool stuff going on there too as well. And as always, thank you guys so much for hanging out uh, this Friday. I hope you guys spend some time playing guitar. I have a cool weekend uh, planned. I have tomorrow morning, have a meeting to talk to somebody about something really cool for you guys. So that's, that's how I'm going to start my weekend. As always, guys, thank you so much for hanging out every week and for watching the show. It's, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> it's pretty crazy fun, man. We're, I'm very lucky to have this gig and, uh, and thank you for hanging out with me on that note. I'll let you go till next Friday at three. Know your gear.